0: Chapter number two, we have been uh, going through the book of Ephesians here and uh, what God has for us as far as who we are in Christ, who the church is, all these things about um, our identity in Christ and how God has been at work in our lives and showing us, revealing to us who we are um, how he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus um, all of these things that that God has been um, speaking to us and showing us and and revealing to us uh, who we are in him and um, we come here to uh, this book here in chapter number two and you almost see this difference there's this there's this before picture of who we were before Christ. And and we looked at one of those uh, last week um, as far as um, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And we're really going to focus in on verse number two because I believe that as we look at this and we consider about more about who we were, it in a way it should drive our passion towards Christ more because we consider what we once were and what we are now in Christ. And if you're without Christ, this is a, this is a perfect picture of who you are right now, uh, that you're dead in your trespasses and sins, you, you live according to the course of this world, as we're going to read here momentarily in, in verse number two. But I believe it's, it's to drive our passion and love for Jesus deeper when we realize Uh, How far we were from salvation in Christ. And that is what makes salvation so amazing and wonderful is is because you cannot do it on your own without Christ. You you can't accomplish salvation on your own. You can't live the Christian life on your own. You can't please Christ on your own apart from Christ. And when you read here in Ephesians chapter number 2, it reveals to us and shows us how far away we were removed from Christ. And it reveals how hopeless we really were. And it magnifies our sinfulness and God's great grace. And the greatest need that we had was found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so let's read here this descriptive text here, what he says here in Ephesians chapter number 2. It says here, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. He says, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You know, it's interesting is it says that the sins and the trespasses is what described what we did, and it says that we were walking in those sins and trespasses, uh, we were walking, sinning, dead men. Uh, when people that are on death row in a penitentiary somewhere, uh, they're going to be, uh, be executed. There's a phrase that they use, and they say, they are dead men walking, because they are, they are literally going to die, and they're, they're alive, and yes, they're walking, but they're dead men. And this is a way that God describes us before we came to Christ is that we were dead men, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. I read uh, just briefly in a, a news article the other day that a man that was in Romania, he had left his wife and he went to another country, and he was living there for about 20 years. And as he was there living, his wife actually had him declared legally dead. When he came back to Romania, he found out that his wife had made him legally dead. Can you imagine the conundrum that this man is faced now with? I mean, he's going through all kinds of court cases and stuff. Some of the things that he said is he said that he's living a legalistic nightmare of trying to prove to authorities that he, in fact, is actually alive. And he can't because he's been declared dead. The, the, the death certificate's already been issued, and they said, it's too late for you. The death certificate's already been issued. Can you imagine? He says, I am a living ghost, the man told the Associated Press in a phone interview Friday from his home in Romania. He says, I'm officially dead, although I'm alive. He said, I have no income, and because I'm listed as dead, I can't do anything. And that's exactly the picture that we have here, that God describes us before we knew Christ. We could not do anything. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We're dead men walking who are sinning but yet cannot accomplish anything what God has created them to do because they are dead and God has created us to glorify him. That was our, that was our purpose. We were to glorify Christ. We are to, we to be his glory. We are to, we to be part of his relationship that he had. That's our purpose. And yet we've missed that mark. We missed the mark and we're dead in that trespasses and sins. And so Christ has proved, provided for us this great salvation for us. And verses 1 through 3 help us see how great of a need it was for us to have Christ. That he is part of our life. That he is this blessing, this spiritual inheritance that we have now in Christ. And this is a picture before we had Christ. And so this is supposed to display to us this great salvation that Christ has given us. And we'll come back to that here in just a moment. But let's really hone in here on uh, verse number two. uh, Because I want to show you three things here about people that... Uh, how they used to walk, or how we used to walk, and and people that are without Christ, this is how they walk. This is what describes who they were, uh, how they are, and people that are know Christ. This describes us how we used to be. And so, notice a few things about their walk. First of all, let's describe the walk of the unbeliever. It says talks about their course. Look so what he says: in which you once walked following. You can underline that. Look at that other one, following. So you're following the course of this world. The walk that we used to be identified was with the course of this world. This world has a course. It has a, has a way about it, the way that it's going. When I was growing up, I used to go to the amusement parks and stuff like that being a little kid. And one of the things that they used to have was these, uh, these cars that went on a track And you'd get in the car as a little kid, and you're steering the steering wheel, and you actually think that you're driving that car. But later on, when I found out, when I was 16 years old, no, um, (laughs) later on, when I found out that I wasn't doing anything, that that car was on a course, and it was doing its own thing. And the Bible here tells us, it says that this course is what we used to be on, this course in which we once walked, What exactly is the course of this world? Well, a course is a means to an end, a result, which may be a destination or an action. It's helpful for us to understand the course of this world by rephrasing it in this way as the disposition of this world, the character of this world, the nature of this world, or the makeup, the mindset, the attitude, the perspective of this world. God is saying to us that we were once on a path being guided by this invisible spirit, a powerful influence. The course of this world is habitually self-centered rather than God-centered. We read in Genesis 1.31 after the creation that that God made and he, he looked at all of his creation, he said, this is good, this is good, everything is good, everything is great, everything is exactly the way that I want it to be. But then what happened? Sin entered into the world because of Adam's disobedience and it forever changed the course of the world. Something happened. Man's nature was not created evil, but it became evil through the influence of another spirit besides God. And Adam and Eve chose to now follow a different course. They were set on a different course than the course that God had originally planned. We see that that course changed because in Genesis 4, 8, we see now that murder had occurred. And by the flood in Genesis chapter number 6, the Bible says that men were only doing evil continually. That was the course. And people that are without Christ, they are on this course. And God is giving us a description here. He's saying This is the course that you used to be on. This is the way that you used to be going. This is the way that you used to be heading. He says, not anymore. In 2 Timothy 3.13, it reveals an interesting point of mankind, and it tells us this, that the course of this world, as we progress towards the coming of Jesus Christ, it reveals to us about what the course is going to be. And it says, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The world is not getting better. It's getting worse. And this is the course of the world. This is how people walk that are without Christ. And this is how we used to be. This is how you are if you are without Christ. You are on a course that is being influenced by evil. Jesus died to set you on a new course, on a new path. And it gets much worse when we look here at this way that God describes us. Look at the second thing here about this. He tells us about their prince. He says, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. As we go on this course, we are being guided by no other than the prince of the power of the air. Why a prince and not a king? Because Jesus is king. We read in Ephesians chapter 1 as we finished up that prayer, Paul prays and he tells us about Jesus who has all authority and a power over all rule and authority and power over every dominion, every ruler, over every kingdom. And so we're guided. People that are without Christ, they're guided by the prince and the power of the air. So who is this prince of the power of the air? Well, he's been called several other different names, but we know him as Satan, the devil. He's also known as the destructor, the accuser, the adversary, an angel of light, the angel of the bottomless pit, the antichrist, the destroyer, the beast, the ruler of the demons, Belial, the deceiver, the devil, the dragon, the enemy, the evil one, the father of lies, the king of the bottomless pit, the lawless one, the liar, Lucifer, murderer, Power of darkness, prince and the power of the air, ruler of the darkness, ruler of this world, the serpent of old, son of perdition, fallen star, the tempter, the thief, and the wicked one. And people that are without Christ are following the wicked one. They're following this prince. They're being guided by him. And so those that are lost in their sins, this is who they follow this is who that they swear their allegiance to. This is who they bow their knee to. But this is what's interesting about this. They do not even know it. Because the Bible says the God of this world has blinded their eyes. Lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. And so they follow this prince. The difference between the one who came from heaven and the prince and the power of the air is this. Listen to what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. So Christ died to set us free from this ruler, to open our eyes, to see that there's this prince in the power of the air that is is leading us and guiding us. And so, don't be deceived that this prince of darkness will first look very good, very tempting, very promising you everything. But in reality, what is he doing? He's coming to kill, destroy, and deceive. And that's the end result of it. Jesus gave us a very clear picture when he said this. He says, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He says he was a murderer from the beginning. It does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Paul gives us this description. He says they're on a course. They're following the prince. They have a prince. But he gives us another description here. Look what he says here. He says, thirdly, that they have this spirit. He says, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, notice the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Paul tells us that we used to walk following this spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. Paul is not only saying that there is an evil spirit here, but that his spirit actually works in our lives. Well, what does Paul mean by that? Are we possessed? Does the evil one have such a grasp on our lives that we cannot even recognize it? Paul says that there's an evil spirit that is at work even now in the sons of disobedience. If we operate by a spirit, then certainly it deeply influences our very lives. It does say that it is now working. It's at work now in the sons of disobedience. What does it mean for the spirit to be working in our lives? The key rests in the meaning and the function of the word spirit. Throughout this book of Ephesians, we've been seeing these spiritual things. He talks about the heavenly places, he talks about the spiritual realm, he talks about all of these spiritual things. And he says here that there's this evil spirit that is at work in the in the sons, in the hearts of those now at work in the sons of disobedience. And so we do battle, we reminded in Ephesians chapter number six, it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of this dark world, against spiritual forces that are at work here and now. He says this is the battle that we do and there's an evil spirit that is about us. And so the way Paul writes here, he uses this word spirit and it's not the Holy Spirit, capital S, but it's a lower S. But what just what is the spirit? Well, the word for spirit and air is the same throughout the Bible. This is no doubt because the spirit and the air function in the same way. Everybody do this for me. Go like this. Breathe in. And breathe out. Okay. What just happened? You got air, right? There was, there was an air that came in your lungs Now, what happened when that air came in your lungs? All sorts of amazing things happened. Blood got recirculated. There was energy that got brought back into your your organs, and you exhaled. There was a working inside of your body just by breathing in and breathing out. Well, Paul here is saying that this evil spirit functions a lot like that. This evil spirit is around and it moves and it influences and it activates and it enables and it does things in people's lives that are without Christ. So we can only conclude that in a similar way that the spirit of the evil one freely works in those who disobey Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ, his spirit, his energy, his desires and influence animate those in the world. And so there is this spirit of darkness that Paul says that animates eats of those that are, with a, that are apart from Christ. They're dead in their trespasses and sins, but there's an evil spirit that is at work in their life. And they move and they function and they animate. They go around through the course of this world. And so he's basically stating that apart from the marvelous and undeserved love and power of Christ, we have no hope. And that's what makes the gospel of Christ so attractive and yet so offensive. Because people say, I don't need that. I don't want that. I can do it on my own. But yet they're dead in their trespasses and sins, and yet they need Christ, and they can't do it on their own. So it's evident that there are this way because they are the children of the devil and his influence and spirits at work in their lives, and it shows in how much that they live and they act in this world. Listen to what Jesus said in John 8:12. He said again, therefore Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, I really kind of want to pull this together here because I have to ask myself this question. Why would Paul put this description of who we used to be before Christ? I mean, he's talking about all these spiritual blessings He's talking about this, these wonderful things that we have in Christ, but then he has to remind us of who we were without Christ. We walked according to the course of this world. We followed the prince and the power of the air. We were controlled by this spirit. Why does he tell us all of this stuff? And I have to think back. Let's go back to chapter 1. Because when we read in our Bibles here, we have the, the chapter and verse divisions. I'm thankful that we have those. But when Paul sent out this letter, it's not like they said, okay, chapter number one. They just read the letter. There was no division there. There was a continuous thought there. So when we look at here and we put chapter one with chapter two, there's got to be continuous thought there. Let's back up, go back to chapter number one. He talks here about this immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe in verse number 19. He talks about this fullness of him who fills all in all in verse 23. He tells us that he wants our eyes to be open, the the, the eyes of our heart to be open to the immeasurable greatness of his power. He wants us to experience the fullness of Christ. So why are we not seeing that? Why is that missing in the church? Because I believe in chapter number two, Paul says, this is the way you used to be. This is what Christ wants for your life. This is the way that you used to be. The problem that we are facing here is I believe that Christians, myself included, Christians are not walking in the Spirit. We are not experiencing, enjoying, living, abiding in the Spirit. I want to show you key key words here. Look at verse number 19 in chapter number 1. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to, notice this, to the working of his great might? Verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now look at this. Chapter two, verse number one, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. When I read that, I think to people that are without Christ, there is authority and power working in their life. They're dead in trespass, They can't do anything. There's authority and power that is at work in their life. Look what he says here in uh, verse number uh, two. Following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at, notice, work in the sons of disobedience. He says there's this authority and the power that was there. And so I believe that as a believer in Christ, the reason why we're not seeing the immeasurable greatness of his power, the reason why we are not seeing the fullness of Christ in our life, is because we are not walking in the spirit of Christ. We are still walking in the course of this world. We are still desiring to be controlled by the prince and the power of the air. We are still desired to be controlled by this evil spirit because we do not want to walk in Christ. This is what the gospel is all about. Christ changes us and he transforms us and we're saved. Our eyes are open and we say, wow, I'm saved. I've been released from my sins. But then this is what we do. We then still try to live the Christian life apart from Christ. And we do not walk in the Spirit. We're not walking in the Spirit. We're not living in the Spirit. Turn over to Romans chapter number 8. I believe the Lord has a word for us here this morning. And I believe that this is important for us to understand how Christ is to be at work in our lives. And what Christ has done and how he's changed our lives. Look at Romans chapter number 8. I encourage you to read this on your own sometime and just kind of go through it. But I want to highlight just a few things here. Look what he says in uh, chapter 8, verse number 1. There's there, no for now, no condemnation for those who are Christ Jesus. Notice verse number 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done away with the law, weakened by the flesh. Look at verse number 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, Paul, tell us again, who are those that live according to the flesh? They're set on the course of this world, they're dead. They're dead in their trespasses. They're being controlled by the prince of the power of the air. They're being influenced by this evil spirit. And Paul says, you are not to walk in your flesh. The power of your flesh. I can do the Christian life. No, you can't. No, you can't. That's why you need the immeasurable greatness of his power. That's why you need Christ that's why you need the gospel in your life. Because you cannot do it on your own. You need Christ to be at work in your life. This immeasurable greatness, this spiritual thing. Look what he says in verse 5. He says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. He says for to set the mind. Is, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set on the mind of the spirit is life. And peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh. Is hostile. To God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed it cannot. But those who are in the flesh. Cannot. Please, God, you can't do it. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although that the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness, now note, this is, this is amazing. This is the immeasurable greatness of his power. Verse number 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through what? Through your good deeds? Through your, through your doings? Through your, your fleshly attempts? No, through his spirit who dwells in you. So I had to ask myself this question. How do I know if I am walking then in the Spirit? Let's turn over to Galatians chapter number 5. And I've, I've, I've read these verses before, but, but something, something arrested my attention here. Galatians chapter number 5, because he talks about Keeping in, in the Spirit, in verse number 16, walk by the Spirit. You'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And he lists all the desires of the flesh, you know, murder and all this kind of stuff. These are all the things that we do. And then he says, but the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, temperance, okay? He goes through those fruits of the Spirit, but this is what really caught my attention. Look what he says here in verse Number 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, here it is, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Well, how do I know if I'm in tune with the Spirit of God? How do I know if I'm keeping in step with him? Here it is. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. Those are the warning signs to tell you that you're not keeping in step with the Spirit. When you become conceited, when you become, you provoke one another, and you are envying one another. Do we wanna see the immeasurable greatness of his power? Do we wanna see the fullness of Christ at work? I do. Then we have to live by the Spirit. And if those things are in my life, conceit, if I'm provoking other people, or if I'm envying another person, then those are the warning signs. You know how you get the warning signs on your car when your engine's about ready to blow up? These are the warning signs to tell you that something is wrong, that you're not in step, you're not in tune with the Spirit. We need to see the immeasurable greatness of His power. We need to see the fullness of Christ at work in our lives.